Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to A Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to me talk about teaching. I take you through my entire trajectory from my very first job at 16 years old as a waiter all the way up until now as a teacher here in Costa Rica. In particular, I discuss what I want to become before I decided to be a teacher, the adversity I faced while in college when I wanted to quit, and what changed my life trajectory. I discuss the impact that my professor and mentor had on me, characteristics that I feel all teachers should have in order for them to teach and reach their students. And finally, I discuss the possibility of leaving the teaching profession. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. All right, so let's begin. Um, I realized that I was trying trying to get inspiration to do a solo episode on deciding what to talk about. And a lot of different ideas came into my head. At the same time, not many ideas came into my head. So, but I landed on one literally today. And I probably will drop this episode tonight. Um, and that is Monday. So dropping it tonight, hopefully Monday. Um, and that is teaching. And I've gotten this request a lot of times. Um, I got this request a few times for some certain people to discuss like teaching abroad. Because honestly, I don't talk about it that much. If you listen to my episodes uh, consistently and are a fan of, of the podcast, I don't talk about teaching too much with my guests. All right, one, because not all of them are teachers, but two, we're talking about where they're living, right? Not necessarily what it's like to teach. So I think it's important not necessarily to talk about teaching abroad, but mostly why I'm a teacher. And I mean, let's face it, if I wasn't a teacher, I probably wouldn't be living abroad. You know, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so. So I think it's important for me to dedicate an episode to teaching and to all those teachers out there that are teaching abroad, or just teaching in general. You are heroes. You are the best. I know you know that. You probably don't hear it enough. Yes, yeah, so I think it's important to dedicate an episode to teaching for all those teachers out there and also to those that might be aspiring teachers, right? That you're student teachers right now or you're thinking about being a teacher. So this episode is for you. So basically, I'm going to give you a little background about how I became a teacher. So this is story time on A Living Color Abroad. So here we go. So I think it's important to start at the beginning. So I didn't always want to be a teacher. That's number one. And I don't know, that's not usually, I don't know if that's always a story with people when it comes to education because I know some friends that said, oh, I know I wanted to be a teacher since I was a little kid or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher until I was in college, honestly. So funny enough, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be president of the United States. <laughs> still could happen, still a possibility, vote for, you know, Angel Rodriguez in 20, I don't know, 2040, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I wanted to be a teacher. I mean, I sorry, I wanted, I wanted to be president of the United States. I was very into politics, so much so that I memorized all the presidents in order and the Gettysburg Address and history about the presidents. Just a lot of hilarious things at the age of 10 years old. So I was very into like politics, I guess you could say, or what I knew about politics at that, at that point. But then as I got older, um, I, I think I wanted to be a sports anchor. 
And now that I say that, I think it's kind of hilarious because I'm doing a podcast, right? Where I'm not a sports anchor, but, you know, I have a mic and I'm speaking to people, right? You can't see me, but you can hear me. Um, so I think I wanted to be like a sports anchor. I was super into sports as well as a kid. Like, I was a huge baseball fan. I will watch ESPN 24-7. And I'm like, I want to be that person on TV. I want to be a Stuart Scott. I want to be, uh, you know, all those people that will be on ESPN. I want to be one of those guys. <laughs> and I don't know, I thought it was such a cool job to just talk, you know, to get paid to talk about sports. And I thought it was really dope. But that didn't happen. So I still was into like, I don't know, I was into like that kind of broadcast kind of field. So I was thinking of doing some broadcast journalism, right? So when I went into college initially, I actually wanted to be a journalist. And I think I wanted to be a sports journalist, if I'm thinking about it. This gave me some Jim Halpert vibes for those that follow The Office. He wanted to be a sports journalist in Philadelphia. But I, I don't remember if it was a sports journalist or just a journalist in general. But I wanted to be a journalist. I used to like writing as well. So that's actually what I wanted to do when I went into college. And when I was in college, I also had jobs, right? So my first semester, I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't declare a major, but I said, oh, I think I want to be a journalist. That was my idea. Um, and during that time, I had jobs. And my first real job, so let's, let's go back before you in college. So I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked here, but that's okay. Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> Thoughts are coming. As most of you know, I don't keep notes. So if you're following along, God bless you. Um, so my first real job, I was a waiter at the age of 16 with my brother, Joseph. Shout out to Joseph. Shout out to him because he's my brother, but I hated him as a boss. <laughs> he was the worst boss I could ask for. He was okay, but I, I did quit on him. So that was my first job, and I didn't like it. I worked at a catering hall in Queens, and I was not, I felt, I was just treated less than. I felt that from uh, these individuals. I, I'm not going to say like their race or ethnicity because that's not, I don't want to generalize a group of people. But I was definitely, um, I felt less than to this particular group of people that that would, uh, you know, use the catering hall for certain events. And it was not cool. <laughs> it was not cool at all. Um, I felt like, yeah, I felt less than, honestly. I, I don't know another way to put it. But in that service industry and in that particular catering hall, catering company that we were a part of, I felt less than when I had to, like, serve people. And sometimes the, the, the you know the, the guests would be super nice, and sometimes they'll be just super just awful. And I guess as any individuals, right? It doesn't have to do with a particular race or ethnicity or group of people. That's that's just people in general, right? They could be really nice, or they could be complete assholes. But it was like that. It was like that a lot. And I got more of the assholes than the really nice people. Um, and also, I was bad at the job. So let's be honest. I was bad at this job. I'm not gonna say I was good at it. I was bad. I was a terrible waiter. I remember one time, <laughs> forget this, this really old man, nice man, nice old man, said, it's really cold in here. Can you please turn on the, the thermostat? And I'm like, yeah, no worries. And I didn't go do that. <laughs> I had too many other things to do. I'm like, I'm not going to worry about this old man being cold. You know, like I got I to gotta serve tables. You know, I got I to gotta put out the plates. It's dinner time. So I didn't go do that. So again, I was bad at the job. I, I was not good at it. And I quit um, over an incident. And I think actually I'll, I'll tell the story. So <laughs> so the reason why I quit, again, shout out to Joseph. Hopefully you're listening to this, Joseph. is because one day my brother asked me to go to work. I was 16 years old, so I'm still in high school. Five in the morning on a Saturday. 
He call, he wakes me up and like, Andrew, you got to go to work. I'm not, somebody called that. I'm like, bro, I don't want to. He's like, please, I need you. I'll buy you breakfast. So I'm like, okay, I'll go. Mind you, I was going to pay $10. I was going to pay $10 an hour. You know, this is 15 years ago. Wow. I feel old. I was getting paid $10 an hour 50 years ago, you know, under the table, right? Off the books. So that was really good for you being in high school making $10 an hour. So I was feeling good about myself, you know, buy myself my little Jordans every now and then. So I was making good money um, and my own clothes or whatever. But again, so I'm like, whatever, I go to work. So he didn't buy me breakfast. He lied to me. He bought me a honey bun, a 50 cent honey bun. And I felt obviously devastated and super angry, but whatever, I had to go to work. So my job was only to like fill in the basket. He's like, Angel, he hit the bread baskets, you know, fill them up with bread. Once you're out of bread or bread, bread baskets, the basket's over here. So I'm like, all right, just a bet. I got it. Mind you, I'm half asleep. It's like five in the morning. I'm setting up the bread baskets. I run out of bread baskets. I forget what he told me they were. So I go find them. I'm like, Joseph, where are they? He's like, I told you they're over here. I'm like, okay, cool. Da-da-da, I'm doing it again. I run out again. I forget a second time. I go find them. I'm like, Joseph, where are the bread baskets? He's like, I told you, they're over here. I'm like, okay, sorry, won't happen again. I'm doing it again, bread baskets. I run out a third time. <laughs> and I, for the life of me, I could not freaking remember where these damn bread, <laughs> where these damn bread baskets were. I couldn't. Probably because he gave me a fucking honey bun to eat for breakfast and nothing else. My brain was not working, clearly. So <laughs> now the party's about to start and I find them in the kitchen. And I, you know, you know, like in the movies when you go into like a, they show like the kitchen in, in movies and everyone's like running around doing busy stuff. Like that's the way it actually was. So I go into the kitchen. I see him like running around like a madman. And I'm like, yo, Joseph, where are the bread baskets? And this is what he literally does. I swear to God. He literally kicks... <laughs> He kicks these baskets, or I guess like this bin, and he's like, they're right fucking here. And literally the kitchen went silent. Like that. Like, it went completely silent. And I, I, I'll never forget this image in my head. The cook, he had like this spatula in his hand, and he just froze. Like with his mouth agape. He literally was like completely shocked that my brother just literally yelled at me like a maniac over these bread baskets. And then I was like, I just, I just nodded my head like silent. I'm like, okay. And I, from that day, I knew I quit. I knew I was like, I'm like, I ain't working anymore. Fuck this job. But yeah, and then he's like, good. I don't watch you anyway. So that was that. But that was we laugh about it now. But at that moment, I was not, I was not a happy camper with my brother Joseph. Um, so that's that story. So that was my first job. Wasn't good at it. Hated it. So I was like, I'm not good in the service industry. But mind you, I had nothing. I had nothing else to do. I wasn't qualified to do anything else. So then I got a job as a working at a pharmacy. It was like a fake. Like a mom and pops, like Dwayne and Reed. For those that are like in New York that know Dwayne and Reed, it's like a Rite Aid kind of Walgreens kind of situation. So it's one of those, but like mom and pops, they had like a few stores or whatever. Very, very small neighborhood kind of uh, pharmacy. So it was in Queens, Jamaica Queens. Shout out to Jamaica Queens. So I worked there for a couple of years and that job was okay, but I got fired from that job. I won't get to how I got fired from that job, but I just say it was some bullshit. I'll just say that. I wasn't supposed to get, I was supposed to be fired and I got fired. So, anyways, so. I was not. I was. I was pretty good at the other job, but I also hated that job. So I'm like, yo, I gotta. I gotta go to school. I got. I gotta. You know, I gotta stay. Well, I gotta stay in school, and I gotta. And I gotta study something that I want to do, right? So I could like, you know, get an education. So now, fast forward to college, right? So in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but then I started picking up music, and thanks to my professor and my mentor, Mark Adams who just recently had a birthday, happy belated birthday to Mark Adams. 
I took his music class. And that's where the spark, it just happened. Um, it didn't happen in that moment, I should say, but it was starting, I, it was starting to. For the, for not the first time, but I want to say for the, something happened in taking his class, his music theory class, where I saw someone so, so passionate about what they did. And they were so, he was so animated, so passionate. And also he was a hard teacher. He was tough, but he was super passionate and he showed that he cared about you. I saw that really for the first time. Mind you, I had other great teachers as well, like in high school and elementary school. I'm not saying I didn't. But now, like, as being, you know, a young adult, I saw something in him that I think I had in myself. And that was super important. And I didn't have that before, really. So I was like, why is this guy so loud, number one? And obviously, you guys know, if you guys know me, I'm pretty loud. Um, but I'm like, this guy's so loud, but so passionate about what he does. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I'm like, I looked up to him because of that. I'm like, that's pretty dope. I didn't know I wanted to do music. I'm like, that's pretty cool that he that he that he teaches this way, right? And so, and and obviously at the same time that I'm taking this music theory class, I learned a little bit of a guitar from my cousin one random summer when I was 18. So about maybe a year before I started taking music classes at this uh at college. My cousin randomly, I swear to God, shout out to Danny Wirenia. My cousin randomly asked me, Angel, do you want to learn how to play guitar? And I said, yeah. I'm like, is it free? <laughs> that was actually my first question. I said, yeah, I'm like, for free? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, why not? I had nothing better to do. And I didn't think anything of it. I just said, okay, it'll be cool to probably learn to probably learn guitar. I know my dad learned guitar, but he never told me anything. So I'm like, why not? I'll, I'll try to learn guitar. So he gave me lessons for free. And I liked it. It was like a cool hobby. And I won't lie, a part of it, I thought I will get girls playing guitar. Um, it worked somewhat. <laughs> you know, it was a cool, it was a cool little thing to to know how to do was to, was to play guitar. And yeah, so I just picked up guitar as a hobby. And then I started picking up piano on my own. Playing piano through watching YouTube videos. Mind you, I was 18 years old when I started doing this. So that's one thing a lot of people don't know actually about my trajectory as a teach as a musician, as a teacher, is that I started what most people consider really late. So that, that's important context for when I get into the, the teaching aspect of right what I'm doing now. So that's super important for that's part of my also like my thoughts on, on teaching and, and pedagogy as far as like how I teach and why I teach. Um but anyways, and my and my practice. So yeah, so I started learning piano and guitar. I took I took back to college. So now I'm in college. I'm taking music classes. My first music class I take with Professor Mark Adams. I take his final. I'm thinking I know everything. I'm like, oh, I know this. I, you know, I'm, I'm great at this. I get a C in his class. And I was shocked. I was like, what? Why did I get a C? And I, I went out to speak to him. Because I was actually very perplexed and confused as to why I got a damn C in his class. When I thought I was doing great. And he shows me my final. I got to see on my final. And this final was like 70% of the grade. So he's like, look. He's like, you made a bunch of careless mistakes. He's like, you made a mistake here. here he's like, you know this stuff. But you, he's like, you were careless. And I'm like, damn. And he, he, pretty, he tore me to pieces. He's like, you're just being careless. You thought you knew it all. But you're just being careless. And that's why you got to see. And that's the grade you deserve. It was just like that. He didn't feel bad for me at all. He didn't say, oh, angels. No. He, he, he just said, this is what you got wrong. And you were making careless mistakes. And that's where you got the grade you got. And that hit different for me. Because think about how funny life is. In that moment, I could have been like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> I 
I could have been like, I don't care about music theory. Fuck music theory. I just keep playing guitar and and whatever. And you know, I just be be along my merry day. But that's not what happened. After I had the conversation with him, I told myself, I'm taking this guy's class again. And I did. I took the class again and I got an A. Because I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna get a C again. And I and I did my due diligence and I got an A. And it was in that moment where I felt like something like, you know, life trajectory, right? Going on life's path, so to speak. And from that moment on, I kept with it. I stayed with it. And eventually I graduated from music. But before we get to this, me graduate from music. One thing about life that I know, not because I know a lot about night, but this I definitely know because I went through it, <laughs> is that there's going to be moments when you want to quit and you feel like you can't do something. And I'm sure many of you listening have had many of those moments as well, right? So it's not like I'm speaking to the void here. Um, during my, I think, sophomore year in college, where I, was, where I already decided, all right, I'm doing music. That So I'm like, forget journalism. I like, I like this guy. I wanted to keep taking his class. I'm like, I like what he does. I want him to mentor me. And he did. So I'm like, let me just keep doing music and let's see what happens. So I declare myself as a music major with very little experience in music, but me saying, let's see what happens. So anyways, so I'm, I'm progressing pretty quickly. I'm doing pretty good. I'm getting a lot of A's and I'm progressing very quickly. But again, still, experience is not on my side. So then I took a class called Jazz and Improvisation. One of the toughest classes ever. For those that know improvisation is where in jazz, um, usually we you, jazz involves a lot of improvisation. You have to think of the moment and not just play what's on the page. I, I can't explain it more simpler than that. You know how you read music, you read music, blah, blah, blah. When you improvise the music is when you're playing what's not on the page. So you had a lesser skill to learn is how to improvise. And jazz is a great medium to learn how to, how to improvise. So I'm taking this class. And there was a point in this class where I'm like, I don't measure up. I was always comparing myself to other musicians. And musicians by the name of Corey Morgan, <laughs> Stephen Morris, uh, Stefan Clay. These are all p- amazing piano players that had so many years of experience over me. and But they were just great in their own right. And I'm like, I'm not great. I'm shit. <laughs> you know, like I thought I was garbage. And I was kind of garbage at the time. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking in context or, you know, about my skill level of where I came from to where I was. I was just comparing myself to them, which is a fool's errand to do that, right? They say comparisons, comparison is a thief of joy, which is true. And, but I didn't know that, nor did I care to know that. I was just constantly comparing myself. So anyway, so there was this one class where we had to practice, we had to play a song that we practiced. And I did practice this song. Like I actually did. But I had such huge performance anxiety like ridiculous. Like I used to get so nervous before any type of performance, whether it was practice or anything. Whenever I had to perform in front of anyone on the piano, I would get so fucking nervous. Like it was bad. I would start shaking. My heart would start racing. I wouldn't get sweaty, but I would just start shaking. And like, yeah, it was not good. It was not a pretty sight. And just super, super anxious. So when he announced, (laughs) I forget this day, when he announced, when Professor Mark Adams announced, hey, we're going to play uh, this song, the one we practiced, I literally felt like I wanted to literally just shrink. Like I wanted the person from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to shrink me in this seat so I can literally just disappear and not be seen. And I think he sensed that because he went over to me. He's like, you all right? 
I'm like, yeah, I'm good. He's like, yeah. He's like, listen, like, don't worry about it. It's just play this. He's telling me to play like, you know, with just the chords. He's like, don't worry about anything. Just play the chords, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that moment, I decided, my brain decided, I decided I have to leave. Literally. I was like panicking. I felt I was hyperventilating, like breathing really, really hard. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. Like I had to escape. I felt it was like fight or flight. I chose flight. So I pick up all my things. And I say, and he sees me with all my stuff. Again, this is like out of a movie. So everyone's like by like their positions on, on the, in the classroom where the piano is, the bass player is ready to play. You know, everyone's ready to play. And the piano player is there and we're like, I'm, I'm waiting for my turn. But, you know, there's other people sitting down as well. So, but I'm the only one leaving all my stuff. And he's like, he's like, where are you going? And everyone like looking at me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to the bathroom. And he says, with all your stuff? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be right back. He tells me now, we have this conversation, he's like, he's like, I knew you weren't going to the bathroom. But, <laughs> you know, so he didn't put me on the spot right there. But, you know, so I leave. But I decided, and I, almost, I think, thank God I decided this. I'm like, I can't go home. I'm like, I need to talk to him. But mind you, this class was three hours long. This was a three-hour class, and I left like within the first 20 minutes of the class. So I decided to go up to the library and just wait it out. And I did. I literally went to the library. I started taking deep breaths. Like literally calming my ass down because I was so panicked, so anxious. So whatever you want to call it. And finally, I look at my clock and my watch. Not watch. I didn't even have a watch. I look at the time. And I'm like, all right, class is over. Let me go to his office. Again, this is I, the things I tell you, they're all true. and But it's like out of a movie. So I'm waiting by his office. He's not by his office yet. So there's an elevator like 20 feet away from his office, you know, like parallel to his office. So I see the elevator doors open. He comes out. I see him. What I'm expecting is him to say, so Angel, what happened? It's not the first thing he said. He literally points at me from across this hallway and in a loud voice, I'm being serious, in a loud voice, he go, he points at me and he says, ha ha, quitter. I swear to God, he just literally goes, he points at me for, imagine, it's like people are still in the school, right? This is a campus. People are like walking to the classes and he just goes, ha ha, quitter. Are you a quitter? And I'm like frozen. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I, and I just kind of like, did like a nervous laugh. That's what I do when I'm nervous. I just laugh. So then he takes me to the office and then we start talking about it. And this is the moment that really changed my life. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. I'm being super serious when I say in this conversation with him and what he advised me to do changed my trajectory as far as professionally and I would say personally as well. So he sat down and we spoke about it, why, you know, I left. And he gave me really good advice. He says, Angel, you need to take a break from performing. He's like, you need a break from it. He's like, don't quit. He's like, but you need a break. Take a break and just focus on the things, the classes you need to take. And then next semester, you're going to be ready to perform again. He's like, oh, he's like, I want you to practice, though. He's like, you're going to practice your ass off, you know, on your own. But you're taking a break from taking performance classes. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And I did. I I did. And that was the best decision I ever made. Because at that moment, I, I was ready to quit. Mind you, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. But I still needed to graduate with a degree of music, right? Um, and 
I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't think I could do this at that moment. But thanks to his conversation, I decided not to quit. And I bring up the stories because that's the reason why I'm a teacher. It's because that conversation right there. And I think it's important now that we're you know, talking about teaching or we're getting there, right? I know I'm kind of talking a lot here, but is you got to make sure that your students, for those that, that want to be teachers, that they don't quit on themselves, right? That they, that they still have belief in what they can do. He had a belief that I can still do it for whatever reason. He had that belief in me. And if you're a teacher, you have to have that, in my opinion. You got to have that belief in your students that they're able to do the work. Even when at times where you feel like they might not be able to. But you got to meet them where they're at. And he met me where I'm at, where I was at. He knew that I was on the brink of quitting. He came in really strong where he said, ha ha, quitter. But then he ended up going soft. So yeah, he, he kind of knew. He knew me. He knew my quirks. He knew when I have to go hard on Angel. Right? When I have to give him like, you know, that tough love. Or when I have to, I got to soften up a little bit. And he, he knew that. Very, very innately, he knew that about me. And we only knew each other for like two years at that point. But he knew that really well about me. That's what makes him an amazing teacher. Is that he knew that. He knew when to push me and when to back off. And because of that talk, he changed my life. And hopefully us as teachers, those that are aspiring current, are able to do that with students. That through conversations, through just talks, we're able to change their trajectory. And how they view themselves, most importantly. Because he changed the way how I viewed myself. I didn't. I had a very low self-esteem when it came. And that might not come across when people, when they meet me, they even hear me talk. But I had a very low self-esteem when it came to music. And really questioned my abilities a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And it was talking to him where I developed my confidence and said, Angel, do what you can do. Don't do what you can't do. What you can't do, practice. But what you could currently do, do that. And that's okay. And again, he met me where I was at. He scaffolded his instruction to make sure I could still do something. Where I wasn't sinking or swimming in his class. There were moments where it felt like that. But for a lot of times, he knew what my abilities were and what I was able to do. He never asked of me what I wasn't able to do. And he always said that too, or to all his students. He's like, well, if I ask you something, it's because I know you can do it. I would never ask you to do something that I know you cannot do. And he was really honest when he said that. And he backed up his word. Whenever he asked me to do something, it was never something I couldn't do. It was something he knew I can do. And it just took time for me to get it, you know? So that, those are things that, that I still take with me, not just in life, but, you know, obviously in teaching as well. So anyway, so that was an important, that was the life-changing moment where I decided I was, I'm going to stick with music. And then I eventually graduated with a degree in music. And I, and I, had, I held a one-hour senior recital. So I had to do an hour show for my graduation, my last semester as a music major. And I did an hour show where I was like the band leader. You know, I had a couple friends and some, some you know, classmates playing we did jazz we did pop we did uh reggae and it was amazing and he he was there and he saw me obviously and he said this is one of my proudest moments is watching you graduate and you know and honestly i'll say i would say something obviously i did that for myself right like that performance or what I, but i also did it for him as well like i wanted him to be proud that's another thing about teaching too is that the, if you have, there's students out there that want to make you proud, right? For those that are aspiring, again, current teachers, and just people that want to know about this, there's students out there that want to make you proud. 
And they might not say it to you verbatim, like, hey, I want to make you, but they'll, they'll do things to make you proud. And I did that. I want to fulfill my dreams for myself, but also to show my professor that believed in me that he was right to believe in me. That, yeah, you're right. I could do this if I put my mind to it. And I did. And and to me, that was that was a success, like huge success. One of my proudest moments of my life was doing that show and seeing my growth. When I watched that video, I'm like, yo, you know barely anything about music. And now you're able to play this? You're able to hold your own playing a jazz standard with a band? Okay. You know, you're able to read music. You're able to, you know. So a very proud moment for me. And, and like, you know, growth and reflection is like, this is what it's all about. So now I graduate. Let's go back a little bit now. So yes. <laughs> Again, if you're listening, you still listening? Fantastic. So while I was still work uh, at uh, in college, I got another job. Once I decided I wanted to do music, I got a little job at an after-school program in Queens teaching piano lessons at this, like, not a private piano school. And I gave lessons. And it was in that job that I knew that I wanted to teach. I was working with kids from five years old to adults of 65 years old. Like just like all the people that came for lessons. And in particular, I liked working with the little kids because they were just, first of all, super adorable, but just so, I don't know, just so open about everything as far as like learning. And I'm a bit of a clown. I'll admit, I'm, I'm, I'm a big kid at heart. And they were able, because they were little kids, I was able to do a lot of joke, you know, joke with them a lot, be a clown while I was teaching. And I just thoroughly enjoyed that experience. Like I really, really did. I was there a year and a half and I enjoyed every moment of it. That's a job that I loved. And I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. Once I felt that dynamic of actually teaching, I'm like, yeah, this is it. I found it. This is what I love to do. And another reason why I knew what I wanted to do, because when I left, you know, I got all these letters from students. And, you know, when I was saying my last day I worked there, I was saying bye. And I wasn't emotional. I was like, all right, you know, this is sad. But, you know, I'm moving on to greener pastures. <laughs> I got a full-time job teaching music. I'll get to that in a second. And, yeah, so I got all these cute letters from students about how they're going to miss me. I'm like, I'm going to miss you too, whatever. You know, give them a hug. So, you know, day's over. I, I get on the train. And, you know, it's a normal night like usual. And I'm on the tram reading the letters and I literally out of nowhere start bawling like a baby. Bawling like a little baby after reading these letters. And I think that's when it hit me that I was leaving. I was like, wow, like that's it. That I'm done. It's done, you know? So that's why I knew I'm like, yeah, music and teaching is for me. Like that. that's where it's at. So yeah, so like I, then I, I quit that job, right? I graduated degree in music. And then once I graduated, I started applying to schools. I, because I wasn't certified in music yet, as a teacher, certified music teacher, education, I couldn't get a job at a public school. So the only jobs that were hiring me would be charter schools, right? Like let's say a private school, for example. And that, you know, as long as you have a degree, you could possibly get a job. So I started applying to different schools. And went to, I went to an interview for one school where they said, uh, we don't. We can't give you a full time music position job, but you can teach music for a period, and then teach other subjects. And I'm like, okay, but I don't have any other experience with other subjects. Like, yeah, that's okay. We'll teach you. I'm like, okay, sure. 
in my head, I want to say no, but I'm like, oh, I need a job. So I'm just going to say sure. So I didn't get that job. And I was upset that I didn't get the job. But of course, I'm so glad that they didn't give me that job. Because then another school hit me up, a school in Best Side, Brooklyn, where I worked for five years. And that was a full-time music job. Predominantly black and brown community. I want to say I was doing a, a, a guesstimate of the of the population. I would say it was 85% black, um, 10% Latino, and 5% South Asian, like Bangladesh, India kind of situation. Um, so yeah, so I worked at that school, all boys, and I love that school. Like, I, that's why I like learned how to teach. That's why I, I had a real my first real job, my first salary ever. And yeah, that was just an amazing experience. And again, being there solidified that what I the, the path that I was on was the right path that I want to teach, right? And just teaching in general filled me with so much joy. And obviously, you know, you get angry sometimes when you teach and all those things like, you know, go through all these emotions. But I loved I loved the dynamic of teacher and student. I And especially with elementary age kids. That's what I loved. That's the group that I love teaching the most. And that's why they're for five years at um, this school. So now, how life comes full circle. Let me get, let me let me tell you this little quick little story. So they have this initiative at that school called Real Men Read, where you have men come in to read to obviously a group of all boys. So I decided that I was going to get my former professor to come in to read to my students. And another moment that I'll never forget the rest of my life because my students didn't know who this man was. So he comes to the classroom. And after he's reading them the story, I'm like, do you know who this man is? They're like, no. <laughs> They're like second graders. And I'm like, he taught me music. He was my teacher. I wish I could have took a picture of their faces when I said he was my teacher. It was like their heads exploded. They couldn't fathom that their teacher had a teacher. <laughs> and that he taught me. And it was so cool because, again, you had a moment where... You have this body of students, right? Predominantly black and brown students seeing a brown teacher, me, right? And I'm saying my te- my teacher, a black man, taught me. So they were able to see in two different ways a representation of what is possible, right? And I thought that was also super important as well. And... They were so, <laughs> they, their heads were exploded, but they were so excited. They're like, oh my, they asked so many questions about me as a student and things like that. And that was another way, like I built a connection with them, was relating to them and their experiences. And that's another reason why I love teaching, is the relationships you build with students. Um, with this, these little people, <laughs> these little sponges, um, and how you could literally mold them into what you want them to be and what you hope they become. And that was such a beautiful moment for me. And just, you know, teaching there for five years was, I loved every moment. That's another time where the day I left was another day I cried a lot. (laughs) When I said I was going to come here to Costa Rica. Uh, So it's kind of funny how these moments where you love the things you do, there's also a time to say goodbye. And that's another thing I've realized through, you know, making decisions. Because, again, these were decisions that I made. Let me me also, that's another thing I want to, I want to, really emphasize these weren't choices that were put on me i decided to make these choices in my life i knew that it was time to leave that that job that i had in queens because i needed to i needed to do something bigger it was sad that i left but i knew it was time the school at my real job you know the 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 school in brooklyn 
five years, I knew it was time. So I'm happy that I've been able in my professional life to have chosen when it's time to go. You don't always get those opportunities. And I might not always get those opportunities. Hopefully I do. (laughs) But, you know, you might not always get those opportunities. So I'm very grateful for the fact that I was able to decide when it was time to move on and when when it was time to continue my path. And that's something super important that I've learned, you know, through throughout this, throughout my professional life and teaching. And <clears throat> so yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of going on. I'm talking about 37 minutes. Wow, but <laughs> yeah. So it, I guess what I'm trying to say in this episode is that because of teaching, it's the reason that I'm here, right, in Costa Rica. And I don't want to get too much into teaching the differences in, in like, because I'll would, I would be here for talking for five hours about the difference in teaching in Costa Rica versus in Brooklyn, all the other things. But it was more like, I really want, just want to shed light on why I'm a teacher. And here's another thing, reason why I think I'm a teacher too, though, if I'm being frank. So, look, I have a podcast. I'm talking, right? I'm talking literally into a microphone. Um, I don't dislike the sound of my own voice i'll put it that way (laughs) but i do enjoy again the teacher-student dynamic i like the fact that i can be a source of information and also hopefully a source of of inspiration right not just information but inspiration and guidance for students um and i also like the back and forth that i can have with students as well like that conversation i'm a social butterfly i'm very so i'm an extrovert i need to talk to people so teaching is perfect because I get to talk to my students and have conversation with them. So I love that. I need I need to be at a job. I can never work at a desk job. I feel like I would maybe scratch my eyes out if I didn't work with people. I need to interact with people in my daily life in order to feel fulfilled. Like I think that I know that. So, but now that I'm here in Costa Rica and now that I'm you know doing a master's in international education, I have thought about what I do something else besides teaching though. Right? I say these things to say that Oh, yeah, you know, I need to work around people. I love working with kids. These things are all true. However, I do want to challenge myself and see if I can have a job where I am not in the classroom. And I'm not sure what that would look like. But I do want to find out. When I will find out, I'm not sure. But I do want to find out what else is out there for me. Like, I, I don't know if I, that's just been instilled in me through my my experiences, but, you know, I moved abroad to find out what's out there for me. I went to look for it at a job fair to find out what was out there for me. So at the same time, as I'm doing this, I'm recording this podcast, as I'm doing my master's program and working, I want to find out if there's something out there for me. That's why I'm doing this master's program. I'm not doing it just to get a master's and say, hey, I have a master's degree. No, I'm doing it to see what are the other possibilities Besides me teaching music in the classroom of what I can do with a master's. So to me, I don't know what those possibilities are, but I want to find out. I don't want to be just stagnant, you know, and I've never been one of the persons to to feel that that I want to be pigeonholed into one thing like, oh, Angel, you're going to do one thing and that's it. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to, I don't want to be someone that can only do one thing, and that is, oh, you you teach music, so well, well guess what? You're going to be a music teacher until the day you die. I don't want to just do that. I want to hopefully do other things and venture out. 
But we'll see when that happens or what that even looks like because I'm not sure. But putting it out there in the universe. <laughs> I didn't think teaching abroad was on the horizon and that's what ended up happening. At one point, if you listen to this whole episode, I didn't think me doing music was on the horizon and that happened. You know? So I feel as long as you're open to things and open to the flow of life and to the people that come to you in life and are there to give you guidance, if you're open to all those things, then the possibilities could be endless, honestly. And going back to the teaching component and why I teach, I want my students to know that you, this this sounds so cliche, but that anything is possible. And what I mean by that is not that, yeah, you sure, you could be an astronaut, but no, but whatever you put your mind to, you could fulfill it, right? If you're given the proper tools to do so, right? It's not as easy as, yeah, put your mind to it. You no, know, you, you have to be given the tools. You have to know what is possible. You have to see a representation of you to see what is possible, right? So I saw someone in my professor, someone that had similar characteristics, personality traits that I had, loud, extroverted, animated, and I'm like, wow, I think I have those things. I think I do, right? I saw I saw myself in him. So I'm like, yeah, I think I might be able to do this. And so I decided to do it and I'm doing it. And when we have conversations now, he tells me now, he's like, wow. He's like, the things you're saying, I, I, those are things I would say as a teacher. And that, that, that just tells me that I've taken things from him. I, le- I learned things from him that I apply to my teaching now. And that's why I have this podcast as well, because <laughs> representation is also important. And hopefully, and those that are listening to me can not whether you get guidance or not, but you know that you you could relate to me on, on a certain level. Whether you're a teacher, educator, you're an educate, you're in education, you're aspiring to be a teacher, that you could relate to me on some kind of level. Um, and yeah, and at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? It's about being able to relate to people. Being able to see yourself and see yourself in others, and those conversations are powerful, and that's why I teach. Honestly, I teach for those conversations, for hopefully I can inspire people, and that's why I do what I do. And then we'll see what happens post teaching if that day comes. I don't know, but I'm open to it because what else is there if you're not open to things, right? You got to be open to what's out there in the universe. And you got to put that energy out there. So hopefully I'm doing that. I hope you enjoy that episode with me. <laughs> Hearing me talk about uh, teaching and how life has been for me. Um, hopefully you got something out of that. Um, I definitely did. It's just, you know, it's always nice to reflect on where life has taken me. And hopefully, you know, I can inspire a couple of you, if not a couple, just one of you. That, that would be nice. That, that would be enough. Um, but yeah, I won't say much more about the episode. You listen to me for over 40 minutes. That's tor- a lot of torture. That's enough torture for you. <laughs> I'll just talk about, um, there was an episode that I actually aired. Because I know it seems like there's been a little bit of break between my last episode. That was Portugal and this one. But I actually did do a live episode on Instagram. It was a live video episode on Instagram. On my page at In Living Color Abroad. That is at In Living Color Abroad. So check that out. I talked to my colleague who also lived abroad in Colombia. So we talk about his experience in Colombia. Really cool episode. Definitely check that one out. And yeah, hope you enjoyed this. Um, I I have I think I have a, a really cool episode coming up for you next. 
I won't tell you what it is. I think it's going to be a dope episode. Um, hopefully, if not next week in two weeks, but definitely something cool coming up. I promise you that. And as always, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you next week or that, or the next week or the next. <laughs> this is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.